welcome once again to Cinemaholics, where we talk about the biggest and best films coming to theaters and streaming online. From the Strand, Strand, I can never say this right, from the San Francisco Bay Area, I'm John Agroni, film editor for the young folks and film critic for Boris Watch and Spool. From Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, he is a pop culture writer for Cinema Blend, and he's the co-creator of Cinemaholics and other fun things. It's Will Ashton. Hello, what other fun things are you referring to? All kinds of stuff. You send me stuff over the years that I think are fun. All right. I'll well, let the listeners discover it on their own. Huh? Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, I feel like I'm being attacked just for hyping you up. No, I, I was curious. <laughs> I was trying to figure out, am I like inventing things that I didn't know about? And like a Dr. <laughs> Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing? It was like more a- of like, hey, here's a guy who makes cool stuff. And you're like, what cool stuff are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> How dare you compliment me? We have a special guest on the show. I won't dare say that he's made cool things. I don't know what I'll say to that. But uh, yeah, from a new place, we usually talk to him. Normally, when we get him on the horn, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm in Buckeye, Arizona. Uh, Now, as of very recently, from Boston, Massachusetts, uh, not too far from where I came up, uh, you know, birth-wise, we have, of course, uh, our... You do all kinds of things these days, Adonis Gonzalez. So I'll, I'll let you explain to the listeners. I don't, I don't know how you want to be introduced. You know, the man, the legend. What do you want to say? Hey, how you doing? Uh, yeah, I do a lot of cool things here in Boston. Uh, okay, you can stop that immediately, please, <laughs> Adonis. We we have listeners in Boston. They will find out about this. I I welcome I the do, challenge. I do not want you to be kicked out of town. <laughs> You're right. I don't want to be. I, I don't. I don't want to become a part of the legend. Uh, um, I think I think Adonis Gonzalez is fine. I like I like the way you say my last name. It's very unique. No one else says it like that. I know I know you're writing for plenty of sites these days. You know, you write for the young folks. You know, you just mm-hmm. put out our Candyman review. Hint, hint, what we're talking about this week. Mm-hmm. And Nerds of Color as well. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've definitely expanded my writing platforms. It's been great. I love being able to to pitch things to, to, to different people and have a bunch of things in my byline. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. Listeners, if, uh, yeah, you've got some, uh, freelancing and editing and, and those kinds of needs, we, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. we have Adonis here. Will too, my way. but you know, you know that, all right, you can find more episodes of Cinemaholics, including our full archive of episodes on cinemaholics.com, including written reviews and other bonus content. And if you'd like to send us an email, our email is open, cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com. We want to read your thoughts. And if you'd like to support this show, help us keep the fun going, please head on over to patreon.com slash cinemaholics. If you'd like to support us, but can't swing a donation right now, no worries at all. Please consider leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Stitcher. really helps us out, uh, And as you can imagine. And yeah, in your review, let us know what you think about the show. If there's anything that we can do better in the future, all that fun stuff. And of course, we have Cinemaholics merch on our website, cinemaholics.com. Get yourself a hoodie, mug, t-shirt, shot glass, whatever you like. Links to all that and more are in the show notes. This week on the show, we're talking about Candyman. I will not belabor it. Um, and I, but first, you know, I, I was going to, I told Will, I was like, you know, we're going to talk about Candyman, big horror movie, you know, sequel, the classic series, all that stuff. But Will was like, I will quit this podcast, John. If you don't tell the listeners what you thought of, he's all that. And I was like, well, that seems a little excessive. You know, I, I don't know if I want to talk about he's all that. The new Netflix movie, teen rom-com, also a legacy sequel to a 90s movie, which I just made that connection. Uh, but yeah, Will, if you want to explain to the listeners, why do you care so much about the movie? He's all that. Is it your favorite movie of the year? You know, what's your reasoning there? 
I have not seen the film. Uh, I had access to it, but unfortunately, I didn't get the chance to check it out. I had a busy week last week, so uh, I have no opinion on the film itself, but it seems to be doing quite well as I anticipated on Netflix. I think it's number one currently, and uh, it seems like everyone dislikes it, but not as, as intensely or as intensely, I guess, uh, as I anticipated. It seems people are more like, yeah, what can you do yeah. if we have to have yeah. this movie? John probably likes this. This is something that John would tolerate, I guess. Uh, is that correct? It, All right. It is 100% correct. I got to know, though, Adonis Gonzalez, I know that, you know, when it comes to film genres and, and people, you know, they bring up your name, you know, in the filing cabinet. They see, you know, like cerebral indie horror films, you know, anything by John Cassavetes. And then, of course, teen 90s rom-coms. Um, that's probably the biggest stack of papers they're going to find in Adonis's film watching you know, history. So Adonis, have you, did you ever watch She's All That? I know you're, you know, you're a little bit younger than us. So I don't know if it was on rotation in the Gonzalez household. Uh, no, I have not seen She's All That, but I, I know I've seen like bits and pieces here and there. That is that the one with Amanda Bynes in it? If I'm not like, no, that's, that's, oh that's, she's the man, that's, huh? Re- it's Rachel Lee Cook. Yeah. yeah. Who is in this one. movie. He's all that as the mom. Oh, interesting. Um, I think you're thinking of what a girl wants. No, no. she's easy if she's the man. She's a man. There you go. She's all that. She's the man. What a girl wants. I mean, <laughs> how can you keep it all straight? I both did of those see are 2000s. What a guy wants. Um, I don't want to talk about that movie, though. So, I mean, I kind of do, but we could save that for a bonus episode. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just going to say he's all that. Uh, okay, so if you don't know what she's all that is. So this movie comes out in the 90s, right? Freddie Prince Jr., height of his powers. And by powers, I mean the guy shows up in a movie and there's like a, an army of people who will go see it. Uh, both genders, of course, um, no matter no matter what it is. And that's that's an era long past. I know, Will, you love the Scooby-Doo film. I, I like to think that that was the zenith. Love right? is a strong word. Uh, it's a film <laughs> I have covered on the podcast and seen 12 times in the year 2020. I see but uh, I don't know if I'd use the word. I mean, it's dedication. I have a dedication to the film, I guess. That's, that makes sense. Okay, I can buy that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and, and yes, Freddie Prince Jr., of course, plays Fred. You know, perfect casting. So she's all that, the 90s movie, right? I think it's like 1999. The plot of that movie is that Freddie Prince Jr. makes a bet that he can get this girl to go to prom with him, you know, even though she's like the big loser, you know, of the school. Nobody likes her outcast, all that stuff. Even though she's played by Rachel Lee Cook. Yeah, she wears glasses. <laughs> ponytail you know and if this is 90s movie logic right where like of course that means that like the most attra- i mean this movie logic persists today but like you know a woman who's like a knockout would be like you know one of the most gorgeous you know human beings at her respective school is considered like oh my gosh you know and like hollywood logic would yeah. be like a nerd. i mean we just saw this last year right with wonder woman 1984 yeah they're still doing this trope <laughs> yeah yeah with where with the uh, um who, 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 oh gosh, I'm blanking on the actress, uh, Kristen Wiig. Um, Kristen Wiig, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, she's not graceful, like that's you know, but then you know, she's all that she gets the big makeover, right? You know, she like takes her, her, sungla- her sunglasses, her glasses off, her hair comes down, and like everyone in the movie is like, she is attractive now, you know, it's like the never been kissed thing, too. Although I will say, never been kissed perfected this bad formula, that's my opinion. And you know, who directed that film. I forget. Raja Gosnell, who directed the Scooby-Doo movies to bring <laughs> See, this full, full circle. circle. That is dedication. It all comes together. 
Yeah, there you go. Um, so he's all that is a legacy sequel, I guess, or it kind of is like playing fast and loose with whether or not it's related to that movie because Rachel Lee Cook plays the mom, right? And she has a daughter played by Addison Ray, who's a big TikTok star. I know, you know, Will, you're TikTok famous. Adonis, you're working on it. Um, had you either if you either of you ever heard of Addison Ray though? Um, yeah, I, I believe it or not, I have like three TikToks to my name. Uh, there's only one I'm really proud of that I feel should have gotten more clout than it really did. So, but anyway, yeah, I, I've heard of Addison Ray. Um, I don't know what she does, but I heard that she was a, a TikTok star, and I think a lot of the the gripe with this movie from fans was like she she's not really an actor. But I, I also she's heard that too she good took, at acting. Yeah, yeah. Right, she's right, like, right. oh, how is she good at everything? Yeah, I heard yeah. she actually took classes to actually um, diminish her acting because she didn't want she she doesn't want an Oscar on the first go. She doesn't need that yeah. kind of. We were talking about dedication, and there it is. Right, right. Yeah, but no. So Addison Rae, big big TikTok star. She's the star of this movie, and she's also the star with somebody who's very important to me. And that's Tanner Buchanan, who you might recognize as one of the main characters from Cobra Kai. Uh, he plays the son of the leader of the Cobra Kai dojo and all that. And I, I, this guy, he has like total like power Rangers, like teenager, like aesthetic to me. Like every time I see this guy, I think that he's going to be like either the red Ranger or the, you know, green Ranger or something like that. And he's just going to like kick a whole bunch of butt. And he does because even in this movie, he gets to do some karate. So there is that anyway, this movie flips the script. It's he's all that. It's his turn for a makeover. I think the tagline is, and this is like it's it's the same concept. She's trying to like make this guy become like viral and famous. So they're like adapting it for like modern social media age. It's a bet, but then you know, I bet you guys are going to be surprised. I don't want to spoil it, but I think one or two people might catch feelings um, as these things tend to happen. I will say, uh, you know, because we mentioned this last week really quickly. Will Madison Pettis is in this movie. Uh, Matthew Lillard mm-hmm. plays the the school's principal, so there is yeah. a little bit of a connection there. Courtney Kardashian also in the movie for some reason, and well, she's friends with um, and Ray, I believe. I'm that's the sure like, she is. <laughs> that's well, I know like two things about her. I knew that she was on Jimmy Fallon, and people derided her appearance on it. And then I know she's really in the know or like connected with the Kardashians. Those are the only two things before this movie that I knew about her Yeah. other than the TikTok thing. Of course, she's, she's basically playing herself, you know, like not as TikTok famous as she is now, but basically, and this movie is like, it was so funny. I was texting with my sister about it. Cause she would, cause I was like, Oh, Hey, I was, you know, I was watching, he's all that. And like, we both were like, Oh, she watched it too, but like we both like folded laundry during the movie. We both hated and loved it at the same time. I mean, this movie is garbage, but this is my garbage. And I watched this movie with a big old smile on my face and every, every terrible thing that happened in it, I was fully, fully won over this. This is just, this is one of those, like, ah, I can't believe that this exists. I can't believe it's directed by Mark Waters. The dialogue is terrible. The like this come on this is the guy who directed mean girls the just this this movie's entire perception of what high school and teenage life is like is so glitzed and so like it's a, it's a fantasy it's such a fantasy and I, I hate living in this world but i can't get enough of it it's just it's like the reality tv of like netflix teen sitcoms or something um 
it's it's nonsense. There is nothing here to like if you're solely if you are solely like a she's all that fan, which I don't know if that's like what people tend to be. But there you go. I mean, it's I remember when we had these movies like this used to be such a constant thing. Like she's all that was supposed to be like Pygmalion, right? It was supposed to yeah. be like My Fair Lady. Yeah. Well, that was the question I was going to ask or lead up to, which is basically, is this movie going to start a new trend of uh, teen high school movies that are based on famous piece of literature like oh and uh what's the um 10 things i hate about you and the aforementioned yeah, she's a man never been kissed was right. one too right oh yeah that's right yeah so i was wondering if he's all that's gonna start a new trend of teen movies based on works of literature that uh high school or high school english teachers want their students to read but they end up watching you know 10 things to hate about you instead she's the man i think was the same did the same thing yeah my my take on that is it it never really ended like we kept getting these movies but i don't know i just think that it's so funny the way that like this movie is like so many layers beyond you know the original material like it's it's kind of riffing off of a riffing off of a riffing. <laughs> so I've talked way too much about He's All That. It's a movie on Netflix. You already know if you're going to watch it. I just thought it would be fun to share. Um, let's talk about the big movie of the week, though. I know you all are chomping at the bit and the bees are buzzing all around us to talk about it. Let's talk about Candyman. All right. You only get four more. <laughs> okay. Nice. This is where it all began. The story of Candyman. Local character, he'd walk around handing out candy to the neighborhood kids. One day, a couple of kids get razor blades in their candy. Police come around. That's when I saw the true face of fear. Get on your knees. Hands, hands, hands. They beat him, tortured him, killed him right there on the spot. A couple weeks later, more razor blades and more candy. He'd been innocent. So he's real. Candyman ain't a he. Candyman's the whole damn hive. If you're out here looking for Candyman, you ask me, stay away. I feel really connected to this story. God. Right here in this neighborhood, the legend started. Uh huh. And the legend is. If we say his name five times while looking in the mirror, we could summon him. Summon the Candyman. Hell no. Candyman. Anthony, no. Candyman. Stop. I don't want to get creeped out in my new apartment before bed. Candyman. Black people don't need to be summoning. Don't. I dare you. Don't say that. Say his name. Candyman. Candyman. You better not do that last one. Candyman. Candyman. You want to be a part of the story, right? No. Say his name. Candyman. So this movie is a supernatural slasher horror film. It was directed by Nia DaCosta. It was co-written by her and Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele is also a producer on this. The film stars Yahya Abdul-Mateen III, Tiana Paris, as this couple living in the gentrified Cabrini Green district in Chicago. And this is a like legacy sequel. Like there were several Candyman films. This movie kind of ignores all of them except the first. It kind of picks up, you know, decades after the first movie. If you never watched the original Candyman, 
it was a slasher movie. It was a slasher movie that came out in 1992. The, it takes place in the same location. Uh, this movie kind of covers the events of that film, um, the Virginia Madsen character, for example, and what happens with her. Basically, there is this person, if you say his name five times while looking into a mirror, I'm not looking into a mirror right now, so I don't know what all the fuss is about for me saying it, but if you're looking into a mirror, you summon the Candyman who was the victim of a lynching in the 1970s, and he will come and enact, enact painful pain on you and do terrible things to you and so this movie is kind of going painful pain you say evil pain <laughs> it's very very okay, I, thought said, I thought you said painful pain painful pain which is worse than your average pain <laughs> right yeah i mean it's pretty gruesome this is a lean movie though about an hour and a half long and it was supposed to come out last year it's definitely another kind of like they're kind of trying to like market it as like jordan peele you know May try to get some of that clout that like, you know, us and Get Out were such big hits, right? But this is Nia DaCosta. She did the film Little Woods, which uh, I really liked that film. It was a very, very solid movie. She's going to be doing one of the next Marvel films, The Marvels, with uh, Captain. Mm -hmm. that's going to be the next Captain Marvel. Tayona Paris, I think, is going to be in that as well. Uh, we're going to have Miss yeah. Marvel introduced to the MCU. We'll start, we'll, we'll start with you, Adonis, our special guest. You know, you okay, you wrote a whole review of Candyman. It's now on the youngfolks.com. And it's it's a bit of a scathing review, you know, uh, to the point where you didn't put what your grade was, um, you know, in the original draft. And I tried to guess your grade and I, I was I guessed pretty low. I wasn't totally off, though. Uh, we'll save that, though, if uh, the listeners are curious. And I oh, you know what, Will, I forgot to bring this up, um, but we aren't doing we aren't doing grades and we have a reason. Maybe we'll explain that after yeah. the review. So stick around. We'll do like a little. Uh, we can talk about it now. It's real quick, I think. I don't right? want to break like... the momentum. I just okay. teed Adonis up. He's ready. So sure. Yeah, I don't want. I I would hate to uh, interrupt Adonis. So I, I apologize. We'll get to it for sure, and it will take just a sec. But Adonis Gonzalez, Candyman. What'd you think? Um. So yeah, I, I don't know if I'd say scathing, but I definitely did have a pretty low review for this one. So first of all, my my experience with Candyman is, I think. And I, I hate to like go into stereotypes here, but I think there are a very few amounts of African-American homes that you can walk into where they don't know the original Candyman movie, despite it being uh, the... I mean, there were sequels, but they weren't as big as like, you know, a Friday the, thir the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street, stuff like that. It was, it was pretty niche, and it's not like big in the entire horror community. But I think that that and the Clive Barker story really solidified the the legend uh, long enough for a movie, uh, sequ a sequel to come out like almost 30 years later uh, and still have this, um, this notoriety or like uh, word of mouth around it, you know? Um, that being said, all that being said, I came, I went in with uh, pretty low expectations because I didn't I wasn't really sure if this was like a direct direct sequel yet if or if it was a uh, just a, a kind of soft reboot kind of thing so I wasn't expecting very much from it I was expecting a lot from you know Jordan Peele being attached to it and uh, Nia DaCosta obviously she had already uh, made a name for herself even before the movie had come out uh, she had already gotten the deal with Marvel to do the Marvel so she was I mean she's already a pretty big name. Uh, despite not a lot under her belt yet, uh, I 
I don't I don't know. I really enjoyed the way she directed this movie. I think aesthetically it is pretty horrifying. I know there's a lot of reviews saying that it's not really that terrifying and it's not like overtly uh graphic or suspenseful as the original, but it is it does a pretty good job uh saving those moments, I think at least saving those horrific moments for when they really count. Uh and I think Nia Costa did a great job directing those scenes. And Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, uh, I think he did a great job sort of um, uh, showing his decline, the, the decline of his character. But I, uh, overall, there was a message that I think uh, Peel and DaCosta were trying to tell about like the gentrification of black neighborhoods. And it's, it's a very important message, I think. And although the film was pretty preachy about it, I think that it was necessary for them to really get into the nitty gritty of that message. I just don't think that beyond the dialogue uh, and the writing that there was a lot of display of the, the effects of gentrification on these communities. And there wasn't really enough, uh, enough time with these black communities that we could have gotten from uh, Anthony's relationship with his mother or uh, Brianna's relationship with her, her brother and her family that just weren't really there. They were kind of left out. And I, I feel like there's like 20 or 25 minutes uh, left of the movie that just kind of got chopped off, maybe for time or for story purposes, that I really feel like could have made this a much better movie. So that the message being so strong and kind of just falling flat is why I gave it such a low score. It just didn't really work for me at the end there. I had that same thought. I was like, it, it just sort of ends. And I, was, it, I wasn't liking the movie enough to want more. And I, I don't know if that has something to do with it too. So I'll I'll join you there. I I did not I did not care for this movie myself as much, um, but okay. We'll turn it over to Will, Will Ashton. Um, you know I think we've already used up how many times we can say Candyman. Oh no. Well, take it away, Will. It's been a good time. If this yeah, close us if out. This is the last uh, Cinemaholics review. I guess we had a good ride. Real. Yeah. Here the uh, lock on my door just turned. I'll just ignore <laughs> that. I guess to counterpoint what Donis was saying, I I had relatively high expectations for this, especially leading up to the film, because like you mentioned, Nia DaCosta is an up and coming filmmaker. I haven't seen her first film, but I've heard raves about it. And it's one I've been meaning to see for quite a while. Um, Jordan P, obviously his involvement or Monkey Paw Productions involvement uh, showed a sign of confidence that was really intriguing. And also hearing Jordan Peele and uh, I, did someone else from the film also speak in horror noir? Or was it just Jordan Peele? I'm trying to remember. Um, but I just remember, I remember Jordan Peele talking pretty in depth about his feelings on Candyman, what he felt was the, the failings, of the first film, and also like what he felt made it so impactful. And I was like, surely, yeah, if they're, they're going to do another Candyman, especially decades later, this seems like the creative team to do it. Like they seem to have a lot of ideas. Like they, they, they they're not just going to do that for the sake of reviving IP. Like they're going to bring a lot of intellectual heavyweight material to this. And I don't think that's false. However, as Adonis is suggesting, I feel like the movie gets so caught up in what it's trying to say that the movie doesn't really think as much about how it wants to say those things. It's a lot of telling as opposed to showing. And I think it starts off strong with a cold opening that, isn't necessarily creepy, but I think it, it lays the groundwork in an interesting way. And then 
you know, we have some like kind of off kilter visuals. We have these little like marionette figurines that we see as um, a storytelling device throughout the Shadow film. That I liked a lot. I thought Shadow Puppets. Shadow for the Puppets. Win. Yes. I thought th- that was really cool, interesting idea, and 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 you know, thematically strong. Uh, and I was liking all that. I just felt like as the movie was going along, it just felt like every character was just like, hey, you know, message of the movie. And another thing about the message of the movie, uh, here's what we want you to take away from this movie. And just it felt like every conversation was just explicitly trying to tell you what it wanted to say and not really repeating how it said it. Like each character kind of sounded similar to one another in a way that was ultimately a bit distracting and annoying. And I think what it's trying to say or how it's trying to modernize a story is very interesting and, and a definitely an approach that I think is worthwhile. But I just felt that the execution itself left something to be desired. I don't think it's quite as bad as I've heard some people suggest, but it is a frustrating film because it feels like it's a lot of setup and a lot of over-explaining and a lot of like re-establishing things that we knew from the original film and then like a rushed or a hasty conclusion to what what seems like a build-up to a, another Candyman movie later down the line. And it kind of gave me this weird uh, Jurassic World sort of vibe, weirdly enough, maybe because it's a indie filmmaker who got the keys to like a big franchise vehicle similar to uh, um, Colin Trevor. Colin Trevor, yes. After Um, Safety Not Guaranteed. And and, I mean, if we're sticking with the Marvel stuff, Anna Boden and Ryan Fleck doing Captain Marvel, Mm -hmm. you know, it's. Sure. It's a thing. But with Jurassic World, though, I just felt... And I know a lot of people really like that movie. I'm not trying to take that away from anybody. But I felt like that was another film where, like, they clearly were trying to revive a franchise and, like, yeah. make the metaphor central to the plot in a Ignoring way Ignoring the sequels, uh, but, you know, worshipping the original. Yes. And also, but, like, just, like, explicitly at every available moment, just kind of telling you, like, this is what you're supposed to take away from the film. This is what you're almost supposed to, to feel. Like, yeah, almost to like an insulting degree, like they don't trust your emotional or intellectual intelligence. And it I, I don't think it's quite as egregious as that film. I think there's more here to like and appreciate. But I did kind of get a similar vibe where it just felt like they had the ideas there. They had the intent. They had the message. But the execution just left something to be desired. But all the pieces seem like they should fit. And it feels like they have everything for a good Candyman movie. It just doesn't come together quite as satisfying in quite a satisfying way, as you would hope, unfortunately. Yeah, it's fun. It's so weird because I think the direction here is on point, right? I think at least as far as the the plotting of the film, the what happens of the film, I think all totally works. I mean, I I wouldn't change necessarily a lot of these set pieces or sequences. I think where this movie kind of loses me is that it has more lore than character. And I've been struggling to try to like, piece together what I think about it because I saw this movie on Tuesday and I was planning to review it. I didn't review it because I'm just I just didn't have like enough. I'm just too disappointed. <laughs> like I didn't really feel like I had anything to say. And, you know, I, at this point, my my biggest my biggest thing with this movie and the reason it didn't work for me and it, and I'm sad that it didn't work for me because I'm seeing a lot of other people respond positively to it. It's getting good reviews. I think this is one of those situations where I don't think that it will really last the test of time compared to the original. And my reason for why is just, this is just one of those movies, I think, where I, I think that the abundance of writers kind of hurt it just because it's like two parts of this movie that are good ideas aren't going together for this movie to work. You have to like have this personal connection to our main guy, to Yahya Abdul-Mateen III. He's kind of like what brings this movie along 
and you have to care about him. You have to be on his side. You have to feel this sort of like tragedy to the movie when things start going wrong. But the way that this movie tries to get you to like this character and to be in the shoes of this character is really superficial. Like they just kind of go for it, it relies more on like the charisma of the actor instead of giving him like decent writing, you know, giving us real scenes that establish who this guy is. So the whole time I feel like I'm following like a very hollow character study instead of like that is what would make the horror of this movie work, in my opinion. Uh, just to clarify, it's the second, not the third. The second, excuse me. Yeah. Um, I felt like weirdly like they had an opportunity because they bring back, without giving anything away, another character from the original Candyman right. pretty late into the film. And it seemed like there was an avenue there that if they had explored that from the like early on, that would have been a very interesting way to tackle the sequel. But they treat it as like a twist later on. And that kind of goes to what I was saying before. It's like, I feel like the movie is so preoccupied with like setup and reestablishing the lore and the uh, iconography of the franchise that it doesn't really stand on its own legs. And I feel like that was the probably the biggest missed opportunity of the film. Yeah, it's like it, what hap- what happens with this movie is that because that's one piece of it, right? Is like there is the horror aspect, which, you know, there's exciting horror in here. There's some suspense. But when you have all of this social commentary in there, a lot of social commentary that's good. They made, you know... Th- a lot of really good decisions in this movie to get away from the sort of like, okay, you know, the candy man is victimizing black people almost exclusively. You know, that's kind of the thing with the original candy man. Right. And whereas like that movie though, had such a specific point of view, it didn't spell out its commentary as much, which I think we've all kind of spoken to. I think for this movie to have worked, it it just needed to be a little bit more focused on the character himself and let let us feel and experience that social commentary organically. Like it, it, this is just one of those movies that's like telling us instead of like letting us experience. It's so strange because you have over here, and I I, uh, I want to pre- preface this by saying uh, this is one hundred percent needed to cost this movie. Uh, There's a lot of people saying it's Jordan Peele's movie and he did help her write it and he produced it, but it is her movie. She directed it. Um, But it's so strange that, uh, you know, Peele was still involved and he's such a he's very much a visual storyteller. uh, And judging by the way DaCosta directed this, I can tell that she has a lot of uh, visual prowess as well. And so it's very strange that they chose to make the writing so, so cut and dry, so like in your face about it. And again, that it's a very important message uh, that sh- that needs to be in a lot of people's faces these days. But it, it was just so, it, it was just so choppily done. I think uh, that even those really good parts of the movie uh, were kind of uh, lowered a bit by, it, you know, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like we, we should be clear, you know, like the latest Candyman sequel, they've been trying to make another Candyman for a long time. You know, and and Tony Todd was kind of like, nah, I'm not into it. I think the the talks for a sequel died over a decade ago. It was Jordan Peele and Monkey Paw that like kind of came in and were like, we're interested in doing this. They brought on Nia DaCosta. And so I get the sense that, you know, she came into it kind of, you know, not late in the game, but kind of, you know, it is her movie, but it, it definitely is one of those situations where I don't think she you know, I get the suspicion that she didn't have the free reign that might have been able to, I don't know, 
bring bring this movie down to earth a little bit. I think maybe there were just way too many like studio notes or too many like a bullet list, a checklist of things that they felt like they had to do instead of starting with the story. Who is the, who are these characters? What do they need to experience in this movie? I think that's what gets lost a little bit. Yeah, I just wanted I wanted to agree with you, uh, John. It feels like um, especially with the ending, and I won't give that away but especially with the ending it feels like uh the studio definitely wants to make this a franchise um i wouldn't be surprised if uh judging on how well this one does in the next couple of weeks if we get like rumors of a candy man two or three technically uh but it definitely feels like uh they want to do more with this and they had a lot of notes to to secure a franchise oh yeah there will, there will almost certainly be another one. It's already made back its budget. It's it's a mid-sized budget film, like around $25 million. It's already gone past that. It hasn't made a ton of money, but we're dealing with like the pandemic, you know, asterisk right now. So I think, yeah, franchise is all but certain. And, you know, I, again, though, I think this is one of those cases where there are a lot of critics who are liking the movie and they're giving it a pass. And so it's getting like, I think on the surface, good reviews. I'm kind of wondering though, like what audiences are going to think, like the more people go out to see it, you know, I'm, you know, we'll talk about, we'll talk about some of the, you know, reactions and stuff like that once we're done talking about the film ourselves. But yeah, is, is there anything else to report here? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of wondering about some of these performances. I, I really liked uh, some performances more than others. I think Colin Domingo, though, is where I want to take it. I I yeah, really liked this performance oh up until a certain point. Yeah, mm-hmm. They do something with this character that I think just really got on my nerves. <laughs> and I I was very... Uh, it's very left yeah, field. But you, could, you could say I was triggered. <laughs> yeah. But that's... I don't think it's a fault of his. Like, I don't think No, he, not at all. Yeah. He sells it. I mean, it. be... Right. But if we're just talking performance wise, I, I think he he does a great job. Right. Like, I think I think he's doing what he's being told to do. But I think what he's being told to do is extremely cringeworthy. And just it feels like something that would have been made that a decision from like the 90s, you know, just an, a misunderstanding of what I think people want to see from depictions of mental health and horror. And I, I thought it was kind of disappointing, honestly. Like I feel like we can do better than that. Well, that's a weird thing, too, right? Is that like we've talked about this before, but. This has to be like one of the first major slasher films that we've gotten from like a major studio in a while, right? Like, I mean, there's been a couple, but this is like kind of a, a return to that slasher uh, genre from like uh, the 90s in a way, not just well, don't, the property Well, Don't Breathe 2 is technically a slasher, sure. right? Um, and the All Halloween right, yes, movies, we're going to get say, another yeah. one this year. Well, yeah, that was going to mention, yeah. The Halloween's probably the biggest one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, are they... They're all exclusively, I guess, franchise stuff, right? Like they're only, is there any, with the exception of Don't Breathe 2, which I mean is, I guess, now a franchise, but. I mean, this is a franchise. I mean. You know. I know. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. I, but, in terms of like um, originals, yeah, they tend to start off pretty yeah. small, right? We might get like a Black right. Christmas kind of thing, you know? Sure. Which again, another yeah. remake, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, freaky, well, not Freaky Friday. Uh, no, Happy Freaky, Death yeah, Day. but that's. Freaky. But and that's then, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. more original. There you um, go. So yeah, yeah, I guess there's more than, than I that I gave credit. But um, yeah, to go off of what you two were saying, I think there are times where it feels like a movie is underbaked or underthought in terms of like what it's trying to say or communicate. I feel this is ultimately the opposite. I think this is a movie where they put so much thought into this. I think Jordan Peele has had so many ideas for this project for a long time as a producer and writer that like when it just came time to the execute it, 
it just kind of got bogged down in all of its different ideas and all the different things that he and Nia DaCosta wanted to do with this movie and what they wanted to say with it. And ultimately, I think that's what's so frustrating is that like it feels like it's both like so watered down by everything wants to kind of, uh, you know, be down and like say over and over again, but also like there's ideas that are introduced into the third act of the movie that kind of contradict what's being introduced for the first two halves as a way that I, I assume to kind of start a sequel or a franchise. And it just feels like the movie is ultimately just sort of at odds with itself while also just weighing itself down by everything it wants to say and communicate and comment on at any given time. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I think we're kind of agreeing, which is, you know, that's that's unusual. That's kind of scary, if you ask me. But I, I was going to bring up to you, I, I don't think there's any performance here that I disliked necessarily, except for some of the side characters, probably like some of the people who get got by Candyman are so like absurdly over the top. I was like, OK, yeah, just waiting for them to like get their comeuppance. But in terms of like the central performances, like this movie is just like a who's who of character of like really good actors kind of doing their best with writing that just isn't quite working for whatever reason it's very odd i think that like nathan stewart jared is in here loved that actor in misfits but then sort of playing this outlandish over the top kind of stereotypical like gay best friend kind of thing and i'm like oh my gosh like yeah i don't know they they take that so far in a weird direction and i think tayona paris i i'm a little bit torn on that performance because i really really liked tayona paris i had issues with her how what her what ends up with her, with her character in like WandaVision and stuff. I just think that there's like this, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I don't know what, what to think yet of Tiona Paris. I like her, but I'm kind of like, Hmm. Um, well, I, I don't know if I've seen anything else with her outside of uh, Captain Marvel and this, but that's right. You haven't I seen her Mad character. Man, have you? Uh, no, I've, I've seen the first season. She's on the first season, right? Um, no, she's, she, yeah, she's later in okay. the show. She's not, I don't remember her being in Captain Marvel. I think she, the only Marvel thing she's shown up in so far is WandaVision. Oh, okay. I, my bad. I, I apologize. But, um, I thought there was something else I saw her in fairly recently, but I, uh, maybe I'm, I'm blanking. Um, but in any case, uh, Dear White yeah, people? I, I felt, yeah, I think actually that's it. Yeah. I saw her in Dear White People. Yeah. I think um, she's also in she, If Bill Street I, Could Talk, but I don't think yeah, there's a big yeah. Right. That was a supporting turn as well. And photograph. Um, um, I didn't see that one. But anyway, um, I I thought her performance was fine, but I felt they're like they had uh, an idea that was interesting, but it felt like it came in too late as far as like kind of making her character more central to the plot in the second half. And I thought like the ideas that are introduced, like everything else in this movie, basically, it was interesting, but it just kind of came fairly abruptly and didn't feel like they fully fleshed out the the ideas for where they wanted to go with that character by the end to the point where I just felt like that was an idea that that could have been really interesting but ultimately just didn't didn't live up to its potential. Yeah, I'm about there. Did you have anything else to add, Adonis? You know, kind of it, it's it feels so negative. Like we've been really negative, and I don't, I don't want to end it on a negative note. So yeah, if there's anything any positive we can add, um, I have a story, but I think I'm gonna wait until the. Uh... We're getting to the reactions, right? Because I think it's a little more related to that. Sure, sure. Okay, let's get into that then. Let's do that. Because um, one positive thing about this is that, hey, look, it's still it's still a movie, you know, directed by a black woman. Oh yeah, and co-written by a black woman. That number is number one, right? Killing now. at yeah. the box office. This is going to set a great precedent for you know for filmmakers, you know, black filmmakers to get projects like these. So I'm really happy with that. Even though you know it 
it just didn't work for the three of us on certain levels. But let's let's look at the critical response. I want to know what do you guys think? What's your prediction? What do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes? No cheating. Um, we'll start with you. Well, Mo. before we do that, can I just like there are a couple things that I do really like about the film that I don't. I mean, if we're kind of bogged down in the negatives, I want to like like I love the cinematography in this film. Like I love the look of it. Like I like the kind of like distorted lens in some shots. Uh, there's like one like exterior shot in particular in this film that I keep yeah. thinking about. Like I think it's really probably good. the best scene in the whole movie or the best shot. I mean, uh, the score I think is solid. It, it doesn't quite match Philip Glass's score, but that's like one of the best horror scores ever. But I think it's effective and creepy on its own. I think the sound effects and sound design is really strong. And, uh, you know, I think I think there are individual moments here, like especially when it comes to like kind of the gore and violence that that stand out and are sharp and appealing. Uh, I feel like I like the bathroom scene a little bit more than you do. It sounds like just the way you're describing some of the side characters, but I found that to be a pretty well-directed scene. Um, that, but, that wasn't yeah, as bad. Was, the, the bathroom scene, I think yeah, okay. was probably the best one of those. I'm thinking more of there's like a, a scene that takes place in an art gallery and okay. Yeah. That's kind of uh, yeah. <laughs> a little cringy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, music. And yeah. I agree with you on all those points. Um, very strong. Uh, like, the technical stuff, I think, all is executed well. We should definitely highlight that. And Robert A. Lowe, yeah, uh, Robert A. A. Lowe is the one who did the music, and I agree, it's okay. really good, really good stuff. Yeah, I mean, just uh, so Mike I mean, people might know us. Yeah, uh, but to answer your initial question, I'll say eighty-five percent is my guess for Rotten Tomatoes. All right, Adonis, what's your best guess uh, for Rotten Tomatoes? I think I'm gonna go. Can I agree with Will? Actually, I think that's a pretty good estimate. I think you two are cheating. It's 85%. Hey. You, look, you Google no, it, really? and you're no, like, no. okay, I did not, I'll honestly. <laughs> I swear, goes, I did not look at it. It was an 85% movie. Yeah, you guys did it. You guys you guys were spot on. I'm very proud. Uh, 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's out of, uh, I believe, 236 reviews counted thus far. The audience score is a little bit lower. It's at 74%. That's kind of getting to a little bit more of what I'm expecting of like you know, the initial reaction being really positive because I do think there's like really good stuff here. But I think as more people watch the movie, I think it probably might fade a little bit in positivity over time. I mean, I hope not. I hope there's something here that's just we're missing. Maybe I don't know. But I know other people who agree with our takes and all of that. Um, Okay, what about cinema score? Cinema score is always fun to predict. Uh, We'll start with you again, Will Ashton. What do you think? Um, I'm going to go with a flat B. And Adonis. Uh, I'm gonna hit it with a B minus. If you said it, was, if you said the same thing again, I knew you guys would be in cahoots. <laughs> I was it's a B. It is oh, a B. Is it a B? Okay. And all right. <laughs> this is a weird too because Will didn't get any of them right last week, and now he's getting all of them right. Mm-hmm. I got close last week. I don't know those glasses. I'm kind of seeing in the reflection. Cinemascore.com. Uh, is that Wikipedia? You can't oh. see. <laughs> those are just from the heart guesses. Just from, I'm just yeah. uh, just just on the ball today. Yeah, yeah. Now I know why you summoned Candyman to help you out with these statistics. But anyway, uh, that is Candyman. It is 91 minutes long. You can check it out in theaters now. And hey, there are plenty of other positive reviews. If you've been looking forward to this movie and you're feeling like, man, you guys are negative as heck, you know, don't worry about it. There's positive reviews too. And I think you should still give it a chance. I, I think that if you watch the trailer and you're like, this looks like my thing, do not let our review dissuade you. Um, for me, I'm glad I saw it and I'm glad I like thinking about the movie. I, I ultimately walk away from it a little negative, but Hey, better than it being like so mediocre that I just kind of like, ah, you know, I forget about it a day later. I haven't forgotten about it. So there is that. 
Yeah, could I uh, could I leave off with one more thing? I had a little story I wanted to share with y'all. Yeah. With the people out there. Yeah, let's bring on the story. Right. <clears throat> you guys all cozy? Got your marshmallows and your hot cocoa? Well, I ate them during when you were talking earlier. Well, so. yeah, there's no more for you. It's too much sugar. All right. <clears throat> so, uh, I, yeah, I, w- I wanted to leave off with this. Um, it's a bit of a positive story. It's, it's a little negative, too, but uh, I'm choosing to word it positively. So when I went to see Candyman, uh, it was at a early screening back when I was in Arizona, and it was at uh, a Harkins somewhere in like Tempe or Scottsdale, and it had been a while since I had been in a movie theater. I, I had gone uh, post-pandemic a couple times when they opened back up, and I had worked at a movie theater for a bit, uh, but it had been a few months since I had actually gone inside one again to watch a movie, uh, so I was kind of excited for that. Uh, and I went in and the movie started and there was a lot of, like, do you remember when Avengers Endgame came out and there was like a lot of crowd reaction and a lot of, uh, commentary, uh, audience and participation. There was a lot of that here. And there were, uh, surprisingly a lot of African-American people in the, uh, audience, both critics and just people who were able to get early, early screening tickets. And... That to me is ultimately what I think the movie is missing, but also what it provided because that what, that to me was a, a huge sense of community because there are there are parts in the movie, uh, very obvious parts where like a character will be presented with a with a horror trope like going into a basement or saying somebody's name in the mirror five times. They'll just go, nope, we're not doing that because black people don't do that. We just don't do that. Sorry, we don't do that. Um, and there was a lot of that that uh, collective sense of community and understanding in the uh, in the audience that I was in, at least. I can't speak to every audience, but in the one that I was in, that I think uh, I'm not sure if Jordan Peele and Acosta. Exp- I, I'm sure they expected that, um, and I think they did get that in a in a in a way. I don't know if it'll last, uh, especially with like a 74 percent, but. I think that at the very least, that movie was able to give uh, that kind of reaction. So it's still a, a pretty good movie, and I think people should definitely go see it for themselves. Uh, and hopefully you get that same kind of reaction when you do see it. And that's my story. All right, I think that's a perfect place. Yeah, it's a perfect place to leave it. Uh, before we go, though, I did want to give, give the whole spiel, right? You know, the whole... Spiel? Hey, you know, because we, we got a message from a wonderful fan of the show hit us up and was like, Hey, you know, snows, you didn't, you're not doing grades anymore. What's going on? You know, a little bit, there's a little bit of a grin, you know, in the message of like, all right, what's the deal? And you know, Will and I, I'm, I'm laughing, but I'm scared. <laughs> Will and I debated too. We were like, okay, how do we break this to the listeners? We wanted to experiment with it first before we said anything definitive. You know what I mean? Like I hate it when I listen to podcasts and they're like, we're trying an experiment. I don't want to be your guinea pig. Right. And so just, just do your little experience experiment. Tell me when it's over, you know, and then, then I can deal with what I got to deal with. We're doing a little bit, little bit of a change, uh, you know, on the on the main show here. Now, for for the last four four and a half years, and you know, more than four and a half years, almost five, we're getting there. We we've we've always graded things at the end of the show. We've always been like, oh, you know, A, B minus, B, B plus, all that fun stuff. And and the reason we've done them in the past is because it just helps us organize things. You know, we're able to like look back and be like, yeah, I give that a B plus. But what ends up happening more and more is that our grades change over time because opinions change over time. Sometimes they don't, but that to me is like more the exception than the rule. And I was getting frustrated because like we keep doing this. Well, like we're like 
pe- people will hit us up and be like, how could you give this a C when you gave this a C plus, you know? And I'm like, I don't know, man. Like I, I, I just did. <laughs> do people do that to you? Yeah. They don't do that okay, to you. I don't, I don't get that. No. Uh, are you talking like online or yeah. in your real life? Online. No, sometimes in okay. real life, but it's a little bit more playful. You just you know, going to the grocery like, right, store. Okay. Hey, are you John Negroni? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they, whatever, however that works out, you know, it's never hostile. It's never just like, oh my gosh, you're a disgrace or anything like that. It's always just a little bit more like, I yeah. don't understand. It's always confusion that I sense from people. It's like they, I know this you know is an emergency, mean? but... Why do you give Space Jam New Legacy a B? <laughs> it's like I'm. It's like my surgeon. I'm getting surgery. Right. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing. Is like I give gut reaction grades. You know, I just I just say here's my grade. Like I'm. And, you know, I never treat it as like set in stone ever. Grades are meant to be changed. I mean, it is an initial reactions thing, and. I just feel like that they do the opposite. They like constrict us a little bit. They're like, oh, I gotta, I gotta stay in this. Like, this movie is like a B for like the rest of the year. Sometimes I give things a B, and I'm like, you know what? Actually, that movie was incredible. It might be one of my favorites of the year. But then I feel a little bit like, well, you know, I, I gave it a B back in February. Like, what am I gonna? You know, Will's not gonna let me live this down. It's like stuff like that, right? And the other thing too is that like when we talk about these movies, sometimes I, I worry that when people hear the grade. If it's not like an A or an A minus, they're like, well, I'm not going to watch it. And they just wait until the end of the review. And so many times I'll be like, oh, yeah, I heard that that's like a B plus. I don't know if I'll check it out. I'm like, what the heck? B plus is fantastic. Like, that's great. That's a good grit. It's some, a B minus is like, a, you know, you, you might really like it if it's a B minus. But then people hear B minus and they're like, it's like they're hearing F. And so we're sick of the games. We're sick of the politics. We just want to focus on the reviews we tried it out for a week or two and will i what do you think i've i've loved it like i felt like take my shirt off in 100 degree weather it's just like yes thank you let me feel this breeze of not doing grades yeah i mean shortly before we stopped doing grades on the show i started not doing as many grades on letterbox and i just found it to be a sort of liberating experience i still sometimes do grades if there's something like my heart i'm like that was like a two and a half, like 2.5 out of five film. I'll give it that grade. But I found that like, I spent so much mental energy just thinking like, what is this film? Is it a three or is it 2.5? Is it a 3.5? And it just was like, at the end of the day, I don't think it really is worth the mental exhaustion of putting that much stakes into what a film should be rated or graded. Uh, Just because I ultimately, like you said, either my opinion will change or I feel like it's pigeonholed or I have to be like, well, that film's not really a 3.5 because I gave this film a 3.5. Do I have to go back and give that film a lower grade and give this one like a 3.5 to justify this or all this stuff? And just, you know, I mean, it just there's a purpose for it. I I do like the simplicity of like, if I were to scan a movie that I hadn't heard of, and I just look at like the grades on Rotten Tomatoes or on my friends or like my friends on Letterboxd, whatever there is. There's a beauty to that simplicity of just being like, here's just a baseline feeler for how I feel about this film. But ultimately, you know, for a podcast like this one, where we thrive on trying to discuss and wrestle with our thoughts and especially films where we do have complicated, nuanced things to say, that go on for, you know, sometimes an hour or two hours at a time, I feel putting like a little button being like, overall, that's a B just sort of simplifies things to a fall. It just makes everything a little too neat or it just kind of cheapens what I feel is a more in-depth or extensive conversation 
or as well as like in you know in-depth or complicated thoughts on a certain film like you mentioned um one film that i gave a b earlier this year was annette which i know you didn't really care for but as time has grown on i've actually grown to like that movie more and i i don't know what grade i'd give it now but i do think that's like not the grade i would give it right, right now and again, that's only, yeah it's yeah. like who cares you really liked it so that's what you're gonna say you're not gonna say like well you know it was sure. a b. you're gonna say man annette here's what i liked about it here's what i loved about it yeah sure but yeah, ultimately, I think yeah, it's just it. it there's a the purpose for it for some, and you know, I, I definitely do really appreciate reviews that that give simple ratings and are like, this movie is a three out of four stars because this, this, and this. But I think for our show, it just made more sense to to branch away from that and just focus more on the conversations themselves. Hopefully, listeners don't mind that much. Um, it is a bit of a challenge, I know, to like listen through an episode and then not really get like a definitive like and this is why this movie is a b or a b plus or an a minus what or whatever if, uh, but i think in the end it's going to enrich our conversation well what uh, okay what if instead of like letters and numbers right we just did like pictures or stickers and stuff something a little more positive <laughs> like <laughs> yeah <laughs> participation trophies is what adonis is i would give at. candy man like yeah, yeah. A couple of sparkly rainbows. Three. Well, no, we can't. Three jolly we can't ranchers. Use numbers, because then it's a ranking system again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a fist of a fistful of starbursts. A handful of skittles. Yeah. I do like how arbitrary that is, just because <laughs> it kind of reflects. Like I, I was this. Like okay, I'm still gonna rate things. Like I, I, I'm still writing for outlets and stuff i got i got to do a rating i i hated that i you know i practice what i preach but i was like adonis what's your rating for candy man i'm like oh i felt disgusting doing that <laughs> but <laughs> but no like I, i'll still rate things on letterbox kind of like will just not everything and like and not if i don't have to especially if i'm not sure if i'm not sure i'm just not gonna rate it i've done that before and it is funny too. Like I knew this was probably a good idea when, like, when I asked Will about it, I wasn't sure what he was gonna say. But I was basically like, the conversation basically went like this: it "Was like, hey, Will, do you just like not want to do like grades anymore?" And he's basically was like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Okay, you know, we were clearly on the same page. We both, I guess, we both have been kind of thinking it, and then it just kind of bubbled up to the surface. So that's what we're gonna be doing moving forward." I still think our reviews are going to be pretty helpful. I like if you want to listen and like, I, I don't know. I don't think people were like, you still would have to listen all the way to the end of the review. And I, and I would hope that we're doing a good enough job of explaining our thoughts that you don't need a grade to contextualize it. Cause that's the whole point is we're trying to put this thing within context. You know, when we're talking about these movies so that you understand, Oh, maybe that would be for me. Actually, maybe that wouldn't be right. I think listening to our Annette review, for example, a lot of you listeners know what kind of movies I tend to gravitate toward, what kind of movies will tend to gravitate towards. So, you know, if you're a fan of the show, I hopefully we're helpful in that regard. Uh, when we give out our opinions every week and Adonis too, I mean, Adonis, you've been on the show so many times. I think people, people are getting the gist at this point. What we hope. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But okay, that's our spiel. If you have any other questions about it, happy to chat with you all. If you have any question, further questions, anything like that, our email, as usual, is open. But we will be signing off for now. Adonis Gonzalez, let's say somebody's like, you know what, this Adonis guy, you know, I've heard his voice before. It's time to commit. I'm going to follow this guy on Twitter. I'm going to do it. I've been waiting. I'm going to create a Twitter just to follow him. Uh, how do they do that? Uh, what's what's the, uh, what's the Adonis Twitter? Oh, dear Lord. If you're not on Twitter, I feel really bad about making you get on it. But... If you're going to, uh, you can go ahead and follow me at Adogon21. That's capital A-D-O, capital G-O-N-21. I don't know if Twitter is case sensitive, but... Uh, and we'll link that to you. I don't think it I is. I think so either. Uh, but go ahead and follow me on there. Um, and if you want to catch all my writings, I mean, usually I post my links on there. But like John mentioned before, I write on uh, the young folks, nerds of color, 
uh, podcast here on Cinemaholic sometimes, but you'll see all those links on Twitter if you follow me. So right on. So be sure to do that. And we will be back soon. We're probably going to be doing um, another review this week, just at a separate time for Vacation Friends. Um, so we'll be talking about that movie soon. And of course, next week, we're going to be talking about the next big Marvel, which is Shang-Chi. And if you can't wait, though, if you're like, yeah, but, you know, I want to I want to I want to read about Shang-Chi. You can check that out. It's on Cinemaholics.com, reviewed by yours truly. I did see that movie a couple of weeks ago and my opinion hasn't really changed, but I might rewatch it because I was kind of kind of mixed on it. So I'm still kind of thinking through it, but we will be seeing that, I think, this week. Right. So then we'll be able to have a conversation about that movie. Uh, not sure if we're going to have uh, a special yeah. guest. Hopefully we'll be able to make something like that work. Yeah, hopefully. There you go. So we'll see you all then signing off from the Internet, California. I am John Agroni. From the internet, Pennsylvania, I'm Lashton. From the internet, Massachusetts, I'm Adonis Gonzalez. Ooh, that's weird to hear. I'll get used to it. (laughs) (laughs) See you next time.